My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Content warning. This episode will discuss a lot of heavy topics, such as sexual assault and homicide. Please. Be kind to yourself. Prepare yourself with before and or after care. And remember, if you or a loved one is going through it, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. Or you can text the Crisis Text Line. Just text HOME. H-O-M-E to 741-741. Thank you. Join us to explore the stories, policies, practices, and ideas of the new Survivors Movement. This is Survivors Hill with your host, Oya L. Sherell. Welcome, good people. Did you know that every April 23rd through the 29th since 1981 in California is Crime Victims Week? This is a time in which victim and survivor advocacy groups platform the issues, policies, and practices of survivors' movements, both new and traditional. This episode is from Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice's annual event called Survivor Speak. And Survivor Speak 2020 was themed when Survivor Speak change happens. And we were there live in the lobby of the Hilton at midnight to discuss with conference goers what brought them there, what their work is, and what morsels, what insights they had gleaned from the event thus far. CSSJ has been rolling out what they call their 10-point program, respect to the Black Panther Party for the Blueprint. But actually, what they call it is the California Victims Agenda, and it's a 10-point plan to do three things, expand rights, end discrimination, and provide real help. Now, we can get into the 10 points, 
right? So number one is to increase legal protections for victims to prevent job and housing loss. Two, expand victims' civil legal services to help all victims recover. Three, ensure dignity, respect, and support for victims of unsolved crimes. Four, expand victim services eligibility to all victims of crime and violence. Five, eradicate racial disparities in access to compensation and services. Six, reach more survivors in crisis and faster. Seven, cover actual cost of recovery. Eight, ensure that trauma recovery services are available. Nine, invest in community-based victim services providers like myself. 10, fund urgent crisis assistance needs now. Yes, like that now. Okay, listen, essentially these are the things that I had the pleasure of discussing with two attendees. Actually, there was three, but here you will hear two attendees, Malachi Scott and Rocky, a.k.a. HIP. So thanks for tuning in. Please check it out. So we're back at these midnight conversations. I am sitting here with a gentleman who has been doing some work at the intersection of re-entry and survivors of crime. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I can. My name is Malachi Scott. Man, I'm many things, many different hats, so it's kind of hard to like pinpoint um, what I want to say here, but I guess I would say, um, you know, I'm here as a survivor, you know, and as like someone who believes in healing and healing practice for myself and also for my community. So I'm with the Atunse Justice League, Restorative Justice for Oakland Youth, and for all of my ancestors. Yeah. Wow, that's really beautiful and powerful way to start the conversation. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about some of your personal healing practices, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, right, right. Ooh, that's, that's just really deep, too. It's definitely many different things for me. Um, just the power of prayer. Um, I believe in communication with the Creator, the one who has delivered me through dark, very dark times. Um, and yet I'm still here and being able to be in the presence with you, you know, so um, I'm really thankful for that. And so it's, it's prayer, um, it's libation. It's uh, the lighting of Impepo, something that I wanted to do today. I brought some Impepo, um, which is a plant um, that I light up um, that was blessed through uh, this wonderful sister in South Africa. Mm. And so I do a little I do a little burning amongst other different things too. But like, just like self-care practices for me in my healing journey, like music plays a role in it and water as well. I often like to uh, take walks around the water and it's interesting that you asked, and I know not to like jump ahead. Is I remember when I was incarcerated, me and some of the guys, uh, we used to walk around the track. And when we used to walk around the track, we used to have really deep, vulnerable conversations. Conversations that probably don't really happen amongst men a whole lot. And I remember when I was walking around this uh, lake called Lake Merritt in Oakland, 
that it, it seemed familiar. And I'm like, why do, why does it seem familiar to me? And it re- then it hit me, like, it reminded me of those days when I was incarcerated, walking the track with uh, men who just had really good restorative spirits. And so, um, um, and so my self-care practice is also, like, walking that lake. Like, I like to get around the lake at least multiple times a week um, mm-hmm. when I'm home and I'm not traveling. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really layered and it's so deep and it's so sacred, everything that you just said. So I really appreciate you sharing your healing practices with us here in this space because, you know, a lot of the times I feel like we talk about healing practices and there's one way that people think about it, but the way that you just unpacked it, it's going to give access to somebody who's listening who doesn't really know about healing practices yet it's going to give them access to understand like how personal it can be and also how you can connect to the divine how you can connect to ancestors how you can connect to plants how you can connect to elements like water how you can also um, open up and be vulnerable you know in your masculine energy. So thank you so much for that. And I and then one of my very favorite healing practices definitely involves music. So I don't know if you have anything on your heart or your mind that you might want to spit for us or share. I don't I don't even know what your modality of music is, but if you want to take some space to share, yeah, like uh, please feel free. You know, when I was young, um, I wanted to be a rapper. I kind of wanted to pursue a, a sort of like a restorative hip-hop type of rap career. Um, but then I learned how to produce music. And since then, I just got involved in production so much that sometimes I mess around with, you know, freestyling or something. But uh, for the most part, I like to make, uh, you know, music for artists to get on. And I just like the way that sound speaks to me now. Like I didn't honor this. I wanted to be a rapper, but I didn't honor sound. Mm. The progressions and compositions behind the lyrics. I didn't honor that. You know what I'm saying? And as a producer, like, wow, this is amazing. It's so many different elements. It's like singing, right? You got these different layers of singers, like creating this music for us to rap on. No, looking at it like that because instruments are vocals and vocals are instruments. And so it's just been just a journey of learning how to create a composition. Is just, um, that's part of my healing. Mm. And it's been, oh, it's been really a blessing during the pandemic as well. You know, I didn't feel alone during the pandemic. You know, I always had something to engage in. It was definitely beneficial for me to have my own music studio and to create and it's mostly hip-hop and r&b beats that i sell to artists you know what i'm saying or i give to artists if you want to uh jump on and do something with it and so yeah and how do people tune into the sounds that you curate mm-hmm. yeah uh you can go to uh, uh beat stars and look up malpractice malpractice productions um and it come right up you know um so yeah you will see a lot of you hear a lot of uh, R it's R and B beats, but it's mostly like West Coast rap beats. So uh, you know, I'm from the West Coast, so uh, you know, I gotta represent. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So earlier you you did say that you identify as a survivor of crime. Right. Do you care to share more right. about right. that? Yeah. Um, so I identify as many things, right? Um, 
But I want to highlight that part too because like most of my life, especially being incarcerated, I always looked at myself as someone who did harm, did something wrong. I was a bad guy. Um, and I would internalize that, you know, and not really be kind to myself or empathetic towards myself. Mm. For some reason, I just never really looked at all the things that happened to me. I just never really looked at it until, uh, I would definitely say when I came to restorative justice where I was able to be asked those powerful questions that like make me dig the inside out of myself. Mm. Questions that I never really heard of or, or, or talked about things I never really talked about. And so when I look back at my life and realize the things that happened to me, I'm like, yeah, I was harmed, you know? I was harmed a lot. And yes, I ended up doing something really, very, really, really terrible for me to go to prison. And so now, yeah, I, I survived all of that. You know what I'm saying? I'm still here. And I didn't have a voice back then. I didn't have the support back then. And so many different things I didn't have. But at the same time, like, I, I definitely was able to survive that. And not just because of myself, uh, def definitely because of the higher power as well. And so I identify as a survivor. And I say that in power and to say that for everybody that's incarcerated, formerly incarcerated, we all are survivors, you know what I'm saying? Especially as like black, being black um, or in the black and brown communities, like there's this intersection and uh, uh, we got family members uh, who have been harmed, who have been shot, who have been murdered. And we also have family members that serve in time, who's been on the opposite end of that. And so I'm not gonna say like necessarily I'm both in a sense, but I'm like, I'm definitely a survivor. I'm formerly incarcerated, and I'm definitely someone who made some very bad decisions in my life. And one of the things about, you mentioned about healing practices, one of the things that I do, and one of the things I like to say is that every day is the opportunity to honor. Mm. Every day is the opportunity to honor, and even honor the people that we harmed. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's part of my healing practice too, knowing that I'm honoring the person that I harmed when I, when I went to prison for, mm -hmm. uh, and all the other people that people don't know about. You know, um, I honor their life, and so that gives me healing, knowing that I, I live for them. You know, I represent them. I speak their name. You know, and different things like that. And so um, that's one of the things I like to do. And so yeah, I also identify as a survivor, and also a compassionate person, an empathetic person, and a charismatic person, and, and so <laughs> forth and so on. I can keep running my mouth on this. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you spoke about honoring. Mm -hmm honoring the people who you've lost and even honoring the people that you've caused harm right. and that sounds like a very big deal to me and I wonder how do you bring the element of honoring those harmed into your work as uh, re well, you, you said you were a reentry uh, coordinator. Tell me your title again. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a, um, my title is Community Reentry Restorative Justice Coordinator. There we go. And so I do all kinds of things. It's not just that, but uh, when it comes to reentry, um, you know, it's, it's an intersection. Like a lot of guys come home and they be a part of our black male healing circle. Uh, or just in, just a part of my life in, in, in some way or, or another. And we like share wisdom to each other and you know just the same thing I said to you every day is the opportunity to honor like when people come in our circle and circle and um, they're expressing themselves on how they feel about losing their loved one or their loved one is in a hospital 
whatever they may say, like I, that's definitely a stand that I have every every day is the opportunity to honor. You know what I'm saying? And so I just speak to it and I share like things that I do. I know like for me and just to be transparent, I was incarcerated for homicide. Every January 28th, I go and I pour a libation at a specific location in Oakland, and I leave a sacrifice. And the sacrifice I leave ain't like 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 in South Africa or in Africa, we that, that type of sacrifice. But mm-hmm. I leave so that I might buy a cake or something like that from the store. For some reason, for me, like that's healing. Like every January 28th, I do the same thing since I've been home. So. Yeah, that's what I do. And so that's like, and I tell people that story too, not just like tell it by myself, but like, oh, you can do this too. If, like, if that speaks to you at least, and maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't, but um, and this is something that I do. Sometimes I just say the person's name, say people's name out loud. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just be silent, just look to the sky and touch my heart because I believe God knows my intentions. And so um, these are things that, you know, these are ways that I honor and, and potentially you can do the same. Thank you so much for sharing about your journey and the ways that you have navigated the harm that has come into your life and the harm that you have caused due to the harm that you experienced, you know. I oftentimes think about in in my own work um, this moment that I had with a young man who told me that when he grew up, he wanted to be a flocker, and he wanted to jack people, and he wanted to take their shit. That's what he told me, right? And I just saw all of this pain and anger in his face, and I asked him, has anybody ever took anything from you? And all of the the vitriol that I seen, like all of the, the wall that he had, you know, built up, you know, that, and it was all in his demeanor. I seen it just crack right before me as he acknowledged that he had been harmed before. Mm-hmm. You know, that somebody had taken something from him that started him in the practice of wanting to take from others, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important for us to be able to heal as like individuals, but also to heal as a community, to be able to acknowledge the harms that plague us and start to address it. Right. You know, and start to bring honor back into our culture, start to bring peace as a practice back into our culture, start to elevate healing as a practice back into our culture. And I see that, you know, you are exemplifying that, you know, and I just, Man, I have gratitude to you. Thank you. And um, is there any moments from the past couple of days that you want to share about? I know you also have been a part of the of the men's healing circle, mm-hmm. but you know there's all kinds of things that have happened over the past couple of days. So I don't know if it, there's anything from this Survivor Speaks 2022 experience you want to share. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know this is my first day, and I went to a workshop today on forgiveness, and then I had my man's healing circle, and then uh, we listened to the panel. And so I definitely got things from all of the different circles and the panels. I think 
seeing people like bring people together. Um, one of the things that we, I know uh, Ruben was talking earlier, but he, I don't know if he mentioned that he was doing like a healing circle for uh, mothers at the Joy office, and we were just supporting the space for a little while for them to uh, be able to hold it on their own, and um, just seeing the mothers that's a part of that healing circle be here and be present and take part in the workshops, like that's that speaks to me. It seems. It tells me that, you know, all it takes is one person to invite another person. And just seeing the smiles on their face, uh, just seeing them as a part of this, and knowing that it's, it's empowering. This, this Survivor Speaks conference is empowering, you know, just to see so many people who have been through a whole lot of stuff have a voice, know that they can create change. And California for Safety and Justice, like, is, is like a, a, a perfect example of what people can do and utilize the voices to help with Prop 47, to help change legislation, to help reduce uh, mass incarceration, to uh, bring funding back into the community, mm-hmm. and to help to speak, like just speaking up for justice in general, accountability in general. Um, so it's empowering. So I'm, I'm really thankful to see that the mothers that I know that's here, it would be nice to have a lot more fathers, a lot more uh Although I definitely see black men and um, brown men here too, um, but that's probably what speaks to me the most is seeing the the power that is being created um, here at this conference, especially for people who come for the first time to see this. I think that people who come for the first time they often want to come back or get involved in some form. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I ask you a kind of complicated question? Sure. So when you think over the, like the events of your life is there ever anything that you feel like could have sent you on another track is there anything that you feel like could have stopped the cycle of violence before it started in your life yeah I have a couple of different things on that piece Uh, um, one of the things I like to say and I know this is for myself I believe that everybody want to be a part of something, naturally. Whatever the social group is, uh, you know, whether it's in sports, whether it's in um, just some sort of matter, whether it's in education, wherever it may be in, right? So everybody had a desire. I think that for me, I didn't know what I was good at. I didn't know where I, where I felt like I belonged, but what was easy for me was, was outside. And so. Uh, you don't have to be the most talented person, you know, to to go and join a gang. You don't, you know what I'm saying. You don't need to do that, you know. So uh, uh, was easily accessible for me was like right outside the house. So um, that's what I chose to do. But you know, I watched this uh, video uh, that my organization showed uh, before I worked with my organization. I saw it. it's uh, you can go on YouTube and look at it. It's called. Uh, Restorative reentry. You can look up restorative reentry circle, and then it pop up um, on YouTube. And the first time I watched that 14-minute video, and I seen that the support that this young man was getting, I, w- I thought to myself, "Wow, I needed that. I wish I had that." Where like 20 people was there for me and to support me in different areas of my life. Like, I couldn't even fathom that for myself, you know. Um, and so I kind of looked to that. So I was, I would just say, yeah, that village, that village support um, could have just, you know, took me a long way, you know, in my life. And so with that village uh, support, I would, I would have definitely imagined, like, definitely like a powerful uh, uh, male figure, too. 
because I didn't know my father at that time. Like, I know a story now. I was able to reconnect with my father's side of the family, like, right before the pandemic, mm. uh, after, like, 30-something years. Wow. So, um, but I'm, so I, got, I know now, but, but I didn't know him then, so, you know, I definitely needed that. But also, too, like, just exposure to different things. Like, my life was so, my brain was so... Developed around South Central in Inglewood, California. I didn't know anything outside of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's all I knew. And so just be able to go places and explore the world, I think, could have been beneficial for me, too. And like I said, I wanted to be a rapper, too. Like, having support around that and, like, people, like, pushing me forward into my dream, too. Maybe that could have been beneficial as well um, for me. But mainly Village, because I didn't have that at all. Like, I would... Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me in the wee hours of this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I wish you many blessings as you. your path continues to unfold. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, one of the things, I guess, for our, before I leave, I'll just say this because I know uh, he might want to go real quick, uh, is that when I talk about like being a survivor and I, and I speak for a whole lot of other people, I know I should be using eye statements, but like looking at like we are harmed by systems and we are also harmed by historical racism, mm -hmm. you know, historical trauma, uh, uh, many different factors. Our young people who was out here probably robbing and doing whatever they're doing, they was born into a culture where this all this stuff existed. Mm -hmm. And before this specific culture existed, there was a culture where the Black Panther Party was dismantled, our political parties was dismantled, and, and we fell on hard times. And, and Hunted that, and, and that. killed. Yeah, and, yeah. And imprisoned. And so and our jailed. leaders, our leaders, and the, when the young people wanted to, who looked up to them, they looked up to these leaders, when all of that happened, like, it was just a really hard time. And so... Um, I forgot what they call it, like just something genetics when like when, when um, trauma is passed down through our DNA. Intergenerational yeah. trauma or epigenetics? Yeah, epigenetics. Yeah, yeah. And so all of this stuff, like, like we're we're impacted by that. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, we're all survivors, if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, let's definitely look at it. We are the dreams well. yeah. of our great, 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 great grandparents, right? Yeah, we are we are the the stardust of their yeah. existence, right? Right, right, right. Thank you so Again, much. I appreciate you so much for sharing. All right, my sister. And hold that thought. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. I appreciate you come over here. Like you got cocoa butter in the air. Like, oh, you, you I, got a you got a, a whiff for that. I sure did. <laughs> I mean, I'm like you know, I'm into the aromatherapy, so like you know, I, I appreciate the details. Oh, God. <laughs> when I knew I was gonna be sitting down with you, I was like, let me come fresh. You know what I'm saying? Let me get my act together. <laughs> That's why I dipped out for a minute. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do and what brought you here to Survivor Speak? Mm, who am I? It's funny. Um, I was asked that recently, and I was like, I'm a, a spirit having a human experience. Mm. <laughs> but in a more literal sense, obviously, I'm my name is Rocky. What's happening? <laughs> My name is Rocky, but out there in the world, they call me Hip. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Boston, Roxbury. Been living in Oakland for 26 years now. It was actually music that brought me out to the Bay Area. And right now, I'm the program manager for a restorative reentry program, working with mostly young people coming home from jail and prison mm. um, throughout the Bay Area. Mm. And what brought me here, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about the theme of this conference and survivors, and I was like, yo, we're all survivors, right? Like, I mean, we're survivors of the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. We're survivors of 2016 <laughs> to 2020. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. We're survivors of the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? In literal senses, I mean, a lot of us obviously are survivors. I, you know, I was thinking about the different things that not only me and my family have experienced. I was actually talking about a story earlier about a close um, family member of us um, who was raped by a madman who had AIDS. He was a, a complete stranger who raped one of our peoples because he had AIDS and was just angry at the world. She ended up dying from AIDS. Lost so many family members to street shit, to violence. Um, shit, been threatened with violence by police, myself, been shot at. You know, it's like from every angle, right? Yeah. So, when you talk about survivors on a macro and micro levels, that's basically what's got me here. And I think um, what I appreciate about the safety and justice folks here um, is that they opened up what it means to be a survivor. Because I remember when they first started out, you know what I'm saying? They, it wasn't, they didn't include everybody. You know, it's kind of like, it makes me think of a little bit during the civil rights movement. At one point, they only wanted to have people who were models Right. You know, on the front line, right? So, shout out to my sister Ayula, who who invited us here. She used to work for California Safety and Justice. She used to work with them. Um, she did an event dedicated to brothers who were victims, but not your, you know, typical victim or survivor, right? You know, right. Feet, right? You know, cats who may have done some dirt. Right. You're a survivor regardless, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, long story short, that's, that's what brings me here. Right. I really appreciate that because um, 
I mean, just the example that you gave of the civil rights movement and their respectability politics. Respectability politics, right? Because that definitely has been a part of the legacy of the crime survivors movement in the United States, right? It has been that, you know, these people over here are survivors, and it looks like, you know, middle-aged white women, right? Mm -hmm. However, it's communities of color that actually are the ones that experience the most crimes, you know, and CSSJ's national report just confirmed this, that you are four times more likely to be a survivor of crime if you are a young person, if you are um, a person of color, if you are a male, you know? But these are not the people that have traditionally received services. Traditionally, people who have received services as crime survivors have been white, middle-aged women. And that's not to say that white, middle-aged women are not a part of this current movement, because they are, and that, and it's really important that they do bring their voices to this movement That's to right. make room for everybody. Because again, our liberation is tied together. Come on, talk you know, about it. Talk and about so it. it's just that, you know, when we come to spaces like this, we have to understand that, like you said, there has to be an ever-expanding definition. Absolutely. You know, of who we are okay to provide healing to you know who have been harmed because that has been a major issue you know in this culture you know is that constantly we are dehumanized you know and I have to call it dehumanization because there is I mean, that is the essence of what is, that's like the root of of what the issue is when somebody can't see our hurt, when they can't see our pain. When you have somebody who, you know, has had their child stolen from them, and then the next thing you know, you know, the landlord is throwing them out in the streets in their grief. You know what I mean? Because they couldn't go to work. You know what I mean? Because they were grieving and then the and the boss is firing them and now the landlord wants to give them an eviction. You know, it's like these kinds of things that trap us. This is this this is actually the story of our communities, you know, that we wanna address and change through the changing of the policies. Mm -hmm. You know? That's right. And And that's some of the work we do by the way. We do a lot of um definitely do a lot of lobbying on behalf of, because, um, you know, shout out to Community Works. That's the organization. That's the organization that I work for. That's my, you know, my daytime gig. Shout out to Brother Malachi, who you were just talking to. He and I, we go by Tunse Justice League, and that's a whole different thing. But we do a lot of um, policy advocacy work, and in particular, what I kind of want to see, which, again, get back to what they're doing here today at this conference is, expanding the narrative of who's a survivor and and how we care for these folks, right? Mm. But the children of incarcerated parents, Mm. that's another group that I'd like to see this expanded out to the survivors, right? And we do a lot of policy work around advocating for them too. So yes, the policy piece, that speaks to what we'll be doing tomorrow, right? Absolutely, you know. I mean, and I know at some point we got to get to sleep because we got to be on the lawn of these legislators, you know what I mean? Letting them know, like, what we want. Right, 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 right. 
But so I really appreciate you taking a moment of your time, you know, um, just to share with us like about the work that you are doing. Do you want to speak at all to like the intersection then of being a survivor of crime, but also being incarcerated? Yeah, it's funny. Um, you hear that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. They said that a lot today. But what I didn't hear anybody say was healed people, healed people. Right. I didn't hear that yet. But that's what's been happening here, right? And technically, I'm not fully incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? Myself, I had to sit down once when I was 16. <laughs> My people came and bailed me out, thank God. I had to sit down another time when I was 25. Same thing. My people bailed me out. But... You know, it's like many young working class black and brown men in this country. I got into all types of shit. And probably, I'm not going to say should have been, because I don't believe in that, but very well could have been incarcerated to the point where I actually had to go back to my family and apologize for shit that they didn't know about, for putting the family in jeopardy, stashing crack at the crib and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, okay, restorative justice. You, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Being accountable, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, y'all do young, dumb shit, but I'm going to keep it super funky with you. And the work that I've been doing, you know, I've worked with, uh, worked with so many different groups of folks and demographics that have been incarcerated. I work with young folks in um, Camp Sweeney, uh, Juvenile Justice Hall, you know the spot, um, Chowchilla Women's Prison. That was so heavy for two years doing a restorative justice curriculum out there. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, I did restorative justice at this jail in San Francisco, the Richmond Jail. And oftentimes, particularly with people in prison, I joke and I say, yo, I like people that are incarcerated more than I like free people. You know what I'm saying? Because the people that are incarcerated, they're doing work on themselves. There's some, you know, there's this stigma of you being in here, you need to be rehabilitated and whatnot. So they're forced to actually work on themselves, right? And they do real, genuine work. They recognize especially if they're involved with restorative justice while they're incarcerated, they recognize that they were harmed mm -hmm. and that they caused harm mm -hmm. and that the way to healing that is to acknowledge that, acknowledging your own trauma and then acknowledging how you've passed that on others. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's what I think of when I think of the intersectionality between survivors and healing. It's people who... It's, it's ironic really to talk about how someone could wake up like that I've heard people say I needed to be in here and I'm like God no no but who am I who am I to argue with that mm. you know what I'm saying who am I to argue with your experience I've heard that a lot mm -hmm. I've heard it before and my knee jerk reaction is definitely to be like oh that's like You've been institutionalized. You've been brainwashed. You know what I mean? Who but, knows them um, better than themselves, right? That's right. You know? And um, jail, lockdown, continues, incarceration continues to be a prevalent 
intervention. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't have to be the way that it is. Let's let's get this straight, y'all. This shit is raggedy. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's biased. It's it's like literal institutionalized racism. It's like the dictionary definition. We're not saying that we advocate for this shit. Not at all. Right. You know. And and if I'm being completely transparent, I'm also not completely you know, bought into the idea of abolition. total abolition. Mm-hmm. You know, because I have my days when I'm there, and I have my days when I'm like, oh God, <laughs> this motherfucker right here. <laughs> right. Now, I, I have a lot of arguments for why abolition would work. Right. You know, and I also understand the conditions that we are currently in. Like you said, the incarceration mm-hmm. system is raggedy as fuck. And yet, when folks harm folks, the systems that we currently have are not in place. The culture that we currently have is not at a place just yet where we can contain that harm and make sure that it doesn't continue to ripple out into the community. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, one, amazing that you guys are doing the work of working directly with the folks who are inside and behind the wall, you know? Um, and amazing that you have these insights, you know, about how, you know, folks are reflecting into themselves and realizing that, one, um, the harm that has happened to them has, you know, played a part in them passing on harm to others. That ripple effect you just talked right. about. Yeah. But also that their current situation of incarceration is something that is a step That's right. in their healing. There you go. Well put. You know, and again, incarceration does not equal healing. That's right. However, in the current set of circumstances, we can make it so. That's right. That's right. You know, fuck what, is, right. fuck what it's supposed to be. That's, come on. We can make it so. Talk about it. Talk about it. And that's the thing. That's what's so interesting about it. It's like, yo, there's something happening. There's a collaboration between people inside and free people where we're seeing each other. We're seeing each other. We're identifying each other. We're, we're, we're bonding. We're building. Otherwise, what rehabilitation is happening? Is the deputies, the COs, like, if it wasn't for the people inside demanding some of this and the people, you know, San Quentin is interesting. A lot of people want to get to San Quentin because, and this is going to be the most bugged out oxymoron that you've probably ever heard in your life. San Quentin is the most progressive prison. (laughs) I can't believe it when I say it. When I say it, it always... (laughs) Because I've said this before, but, you know, it's proximity to Berkeley, Oakland, Marin, Richmond, all that, right? It's situated in the right place. And there's obviously the history there, you know what I'm saying? But it's the people inside, too, you know what I'm saying? Quick pause. Yes. When you're saying the history, um, for those who might not know what the history is, <laughs> are we talking about the Jackson Brothers? There is that, which you know, it's interesting. You can't, yo, yo there's, there's people still there. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say his name? Sam Robinson. I 
forget exactly what his position is over there, San Quentin, but he's been there for years, and he's kind of a relatively young brother who's, you know, kind of about it. Like, he's, he, he comes through. Um, you ever heard of the podcast Air Hustle? I have, actually. Yeah, so he always... <laughs> He's the one who's, you know, I'm Sam Robinson and I approve of this. You know what I'm saying? That's him, right? But um, they did an interview with one of the the cats from that movement. And even Sam, he was like, yo, we don't like, like, that's like taboo to talk about that. You know what I'm saying? He was like, even he, he, you know, he was like, usually when he does this little sign off and I approve of this message, he was like, he did it kind of the, disclaimer on that episode of Ear Hustle. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm only speaking facts, too, so I'm not throwing shade or salt or nothing. Y'all can go listen and see that I'm not bugging out here. This is what he said, dead up. And so, yeah, when we talk about the, there's so much history there, right? But that history in particular is different, because that's revolutionary, right? And that's that's something that's... But those seeds are there. Again, It's I think it's I think it's proximity. I think it's proximity. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. So, you have also been a part of the Men's Healing Circle yeah. yesterday. And the one that we do, the one that we actually hold grassroots, literally grassroots in the grass around Lake Merritt. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, just open air with the, with the fire pit, you know, open it up to the community. Cats can come through. Yeah, it's been something. I mean, it only, it only found its way outside um, because of the pandemic, right? It's usually at the... Shout out to Ajoy at Ajoy's offices. Um, but yeah, so healing circles. We actually had a black women, black men healing circle too that we were doing for a while, which got real deep. What? Yeah. I should have been there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we did do the healing circle here today too. Okay. Yeah. And so are there any are there any new insights that you've come across mm. just you know, being in the survivor speak space over Absolutely. the past couple of days. Absolutely. You know what I loved actually? The insight that again, our own wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Our own knowing ourselves. Like, yo, we we did this exercise where we had these different ideas, these kind of like mailroom belief system, Mr. BS. How you like that acronym? <laughs> Right, I'm playing, huh? right, right. All these male role belief system quotes, and this one brother was just talking about how there was one that he was like, "Yo, I, this is one of the I identify with, but I know, and, and you know, I got seeds 
and I know I need to work on it for their sake too. You know what I mean? But he's like, but yo, but I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? Like, just listening to different conversations, I know that there's a lot of particularly black folks here that are like, yo, yeah, we're survivors and we're strong and we're doing the work and all that, but yo, I'm, please believe I still can get funky with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> like, like, I told an uh, officer recently, like, you know, I'm relatively hippie in my mindset, you know, but right. I believe in self-defense. You know, I put peace as a priority, mm. you know, but, you know, harm, harm none means also don't don't harm, harm me. me yeah you know yeah. and i'm and i feel like it's absolutely valid that you know but at the same time you know what harm looks like for different people is really deep because a comment can be so cutting for somebody that they feel like you know that they have to lash out physically in order to vindicate that's right. vindicate that's that right. harm that's right you know that's right and that's exactly what that brother was getting at when he said that and it's like um I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's some, again, Melrose belief shit there. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to disrespect me and all this shit. But even that is born out of being harmed and being a survivor, right? That's what that comes from. Because you don't find that with a bunch of middle class, upper class folk. We, we don't, they don't have them. I'm a working class motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know where that comes from. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I have spent hours, literally hours, because I'm a kind of inquisitive person, just Googling, like, where does this idea of respect and disrespect come from? particularly in the black community, you know, and I feel like it has also been borrowed by, you know, our brown <laughs> and Latino brothers and sisters too because we Machismo is real and man, you know, right. that culture too. Right. I mean, is real. Ab- absolutely. So it's something that we share is what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. um not that one came before the other, but it's something that we share in our culture. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like trying to figure out what is it, you know, because it's so subjective, this idea Come of on. respect. Will you please talk about this. You know what I'm saying? So can I hop in here real please. quick? Because it came up, you know, we do the values rounds, right? When we do these restorative justice circles, and inevitably, respect will come up like three, four times, right? And I often say, yo, I always do, I have to do it now. I have to say, yo. We need to really talk about this as a value, and, and even when like when we get into agreements, respect. It's like yo, that shit means something different to everybody, and it's a powder keg word. Mm-hmm. This is powder keggy is the n word. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, yo, the older I get, and the more I do this work, the more I become steeped in restorative justice. I don't really fuck with respect like that. I don't. I don't <laughs> do it. I don't do it. But it gets deeper. My dear sister, Dr. Joy, the guru, who we just, this weekend, actually did Healing Circles um, with her. I'm jealous. That's my sister, by the way. We, that's like my homegirl. We go fishing together. Like We're actually going fishing in Alaska soon. I'm jealous. <laughs> that's my sister. Like We've been fishing <laughs> together for like seven years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do a lot of work. As a matter of fact, Y'all I have to... do major shit. <laughs> I got a little project I want to talk about. We'll come back to that, so I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But she put the word respect 
in its truest perspective. So let's do it. What does spec mean? To see. So or spectacle. Like you got spectacle. it. You said it. You said it. You got it. No, it's spec to see, right? Yeah. And so what word comes before that? Re. So to see. Let again. me see you again. Mm. Right. Okay. With the magic. Come on. Okay. Come on. Clink on that. <laughs> I was like that respect I can get with. It's, it's African, actually. <laughs> hey, I love it. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, that was the perfect segue because I always gotta address it. Mm-hmm. We can't just say respect. It's a powder keg word. It really is. That shit is explosive. Right. Some motherfuckers die behind it. There's a right. war going on right now, Russia and Ukraine. Right. For the sake of posterity, I'm gonna say what it is right now. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Wow. One really just appreciate to have this level of conversation right now. <laughs> you know, straight up. Um, because it's so important to be able to, like, kind of peel back these layers, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. You know, and just, like, hear so clearly stated what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we have to understand, you know, my grandfather actually always used to say this word, etymology. Ah, uh, Yes. The yes. meaning of a word. He said, like, Dr. Joy is all about that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you don't understand nothing unless you understand what the word mm-hmm. you're saying means. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this book, 1984, and they talk about double speak. Oh, yeah, double speak all day. And that's, all day. and that is, I mean, when we think about like quote unquote ebonics, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Or the, um, you know, the African American vernacular, right? Mm-hmm. We, we take words in English and we give them new meaning right. all the time. That's right. right. That's right. But there's certain words in English that we never define. There's certain rules right. in our culture right. that we never define. That's right. And that that's shit right. the code is the deadly. Street. The code of the streets and shit. Where the fuck is that code, yo? <laughs> but it's deadly. It's not even funny because it's deadly. Yeah. The, exactly. the fact that we don't define the shit. That's that we right. leave it. That we leave it. That's um, right. As a powder keg. That's right. That's right. And it it can be flipped, changed, adapted, bastardized, twisted. You know, just like so many religious doctrine. Come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna tell you just um, another tip um, because we talk about my my sister Joy, um, and this is something that I think you might even be able to play. During the podcast, um, I did this project where I took a bunch of the, what I felt like were progressive voices, Malcolm X, Michelle Alexander, Naomi Klein, Noam Chomsky, Michael Moore, um, Arundhati Roy, shout out to my hey. South Asian sisters. Who else? Uh, Tariq Ali. Um, and of course, like I said, my, my sister Joy. And I take their cadence and I put it to music. Ah. Right. I play the harp, by the way. You put all of my heroes <laughs> <laughs> to music. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. The, the project's called 99 to 1. Looking forward back and now. I'll plug you with it. It's on Spotify. But the one, the song with Dr. Joy, that's my, my favorite song for so many reasons. Because I think what motivated me to even do 
the album was there was a time when there was all these movements happening here. As a matter of fact, where we are now is a backlash to all of the movements that were happening, you know, from Occupy Wall Street and the uprising, the Egypt uprising, and it was all this movement that was happening at the time. And of course, the pendulum has to swing. It's the fucking Empire Strikes Back right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're coming out of that with the four years of that motherfucker. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. right? It's the, it was, you know, it's the rise of the colonial spirit. Yo, that's how I've been. That's how I've been defining it. They had to fight back. It's a, that dying, gasping breath. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what it is. Because it wasn't just the United States. That's right. Right? Yeah. It was Brexit. all around the globe. Exactly. Um, Turkey, oh. Philippines. Uh. Yo, you look around. It was the strong man, you know. And, and, Ooh, you know that's biblical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So this album came out in a time where the scale was tipping, you know, for those of us who are about progress, real progress, right? Mm-hmm. And so I put the um, album out, and it was about, it was kind of like a period piece, really, because it was like, you know, it was talking about things that were happening. But Joy's piece in particular, that one addresses the past, the present, and the future. Mm-hmm. It covers all three. So you're going to dig it. You're going to dig it. Where do I find it? It's on Spotify. I'll, Spotify? I'll definitely plug you. Okay. I'll definitely plug okay. you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. That is really exciting. I have so enjoyed speaking with you, Word. gentlemen. Word. In the hours of I'm this so morning. glad <laughs> we made this happen. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. It's like almost three o'clock. Yeah, we got to be out of here in four hours. <laughs> So I'm not going to hold you anymore. Nah, it's been real. Yes, I'm going to leave you with so much peace. Many blessings. Blessings. Blessings and loves for our people. Yes, and so much love for our people, for our work, you know. Ashe. 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 Right on, sis. So that was rather fun. But this was only half of the conversation that was had in the wee hours. So shout out to Robert Rubens at the underscore RJ Circle. But please do reach out and support these Black men who are bringing healing and restorative justice and recovery and hope and peace and light and spirit to their communities. Again, you can find Malachi Scott at Malpractice Productions with a Z. And you can find HIP spelled H-Y-P at Hypno and that's no K-N-O-W on IG or at AsignolaMusicPublishing.com and that's A-S-S-I-N-Y-E-O-L-A MusicPublishing.com But listen, good people, that's Spring 2022 conversation was not just a social hour. We were there to get shit done. And let me tell you, it got done. I will now read you all the bills that got passed in 2022. These are the laws that got changed as a result of the hard work and advocacy across many fields by a diverse group of folks who stood up for victims and survivors in California. Honor and respect to all those who make it happen. 
And before I get into it, let this be an inspiration to you. Join a local chapter and go to your state crime victims week. You can visit allianceforsafetyandjustice.org to find out more about that. And without further ado, these are the laws that were passed. SB 1017, authored by Eggman and entitled Keeping Survivors Housed. SB 1017 will strengthen the current eviction protection survivors have under California law. Several gaps in the law leave survivors at risk and unable to access the existing protection. This bill will help ensure that no survivor can be evicted because of acts of abuse or violence committed against them. The bill will provide a pathway for survivors to stay in their homes, even if the person who caused harm is a tenant who is being evicted for a violent act against the survivor. It will ensure protections are available to victims of any type of violence and their immediate family members. It expands the types of documentation survivors may use to access protections. It eliminates a loophole, allowing survivors to be evicted if they allow, quote unquote, allow the person who caused harm to visit the property. It clarifies that survivors can use the eviction protection even if the person who committed the violent act is a tenant who no longer lives in the unit. And it creates a way for survivors to take action if their rights to eviction protection or lease termination are violated. Whoop whoop. Okay. SB 1106 also passed. This was authored by Weiner and it's called the Fresh Start Act. In California, people who are convicted of crimes are often ordered to pay restitution and restitution fines. Currently, unpaid restitution and restitution fines can be used as a reason to deny a person's petition to clear their criminal record, limiting their ability to get housing, employment, and other opportunities upon entry. In practice, current law results in people leaving the criminal justice system being more likely to get trapped by fines and fees than they can get a job to actually pay off those fines and fees. This helps neither the person ordered to pay restitution nor the person who would receive compensation from the payment. Because successful re-entry into society for formerly incarcerated people benefits the broader community, SB 1106 ensures that expungement petitions aren't denied simply due to outstanding restitution debt. And this was co-sponsored by Debt Free Justice Coalition. So shout out to all of the people that made that happen. SB 1106 passed. Whoop whoop. Then there's SB 1268, which was authored by Caballero. This is called Curtis's Law. And SB 1268, Curtis's Law, will ensure that the immediate family of a deceased minor whose death is investigated by a law enforcement agency receives information about the investigation, including contact information of the investigators, the case number, and any information about any property of the victim that is being held. That passed. 
and it's a it's a shame that it has to be spelled out but you know what this is doing something this is this is at least putting on the books that this needs to happen that we have the opportunity as survivors of homicide and particularly for a minor that is deceased to have information given to us from the law enforcement agencies. So, you know, shout out to those who made Curtis's law happen. Whoop, whoop. Next is AB 1720, which was authored by Holden. It is entitled Community Care Facilities Criminal Background Checks. AB 1720 increases access by qualified individuals with arrest and conviction records to caregiving and similar jobs governed by the California Department of Social Services. This bill will reduce application barriers for people with a conviction history seeking community care licensure from the DSS. AB 1720 streamlines the licensure process for those that have been convicted of a crime to ensure that an unrelated prior conviction does not prohibit a qualified, rehabilitated person from securing employment. Specifically, the bill requires DSS to grant a simplified criminal record exemption if the individual is qualified. This is so great. Shout out to those that made it happen. This was again authored by Holden, AB 1720, whoop whoop. And then we have AB 1924. This was authored by Mike Gibson. This is the Certificate of Rehabilitation. Under current law, the process for petitioning for a Certificate of Rehabilitation is more burdensome for people convicted of less serious offenses, those resulting in sentences of probation, than those with a conviction resulted in prison sentences. So this bill would make it easier for those individuals to begin the process of applying for a core or a certificate of rehabilitation. A successful petition for a core provides several benefits. It can enhance licensing considerations by a state board It can serve as an official document to demonstrate a person's rehabilitation, to enhance employment possibilities, and most importantly, it serves as an application for a full pardon. And this was co-sponsored by ARC, or the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, okay? Whoop, whoop. AB 1949, authored by Lowe, right? This is the Bereavement League. What that means is that, one, all workers deserve the right to take time off to grieve the loss of a loved one. Okay, let me say that again. All workers deserve the right to take time off to grieve the loss of a loved one. So AB 1949 will allow workers to take unpaid bereavement leave when a close family member dies. Under current law, most workers in California have no right to bereavement leave, paid or unpaid. When a close family member dies, that's a tragedy, right? So thanks to legislation by Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice, sponsored in 2020, family members of homicide victims can take time off to access victim services or deal with legal issues. 
But employees who lose a family member, whether in a homicide, illness, or any other reason, still do not have the right to take time off to make funeral arrangements or simply to grieve. So workers, they can take at least five days, at least five days of unpaid bereavement leave. It would also make sure that workers could use other available paid leave as well, like sick leave, vacation, personal days for bereavement. And this was co-sponsored by California Employment Lawyers Association, uh, Legal Aid at Work, and the Equal Rights Advocates. So, whoop whoop. Last but not least, we have a win with SB 731. And this was authored by Durazo, right? And this is the Sunsets Law, right? And so hopefully you've been, you know, hearing a lot about this. So nationally, an estimated 70 million people, nearly one in three adults and 8 million people in California alone have a past arrest or conviction on their record. California maintains an individual's conviction records until that person reaches 100 years of age, preventing people with an old conviction record from ever being able to regain full citizenship status, even after fully completing their sentence and paying their debts. This makes us all less safe. It undermines the strength of our state's economy, destabilizes families and entire communities, and is at odds with California's core values of justice and fairness. So SB 731 proposed a structured approach to expanding arrest and conviction record relief, and it passed. It was co-sponsored by the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, ARC, A New Way of Life. You know, that's the organization that was founded by the incomparable Susan Burton. And then a Time for Change Foundation was also a co-sponsor, Homeboy Industries, Legal Services for Prisoners with Children, Los Angeles Regional Reentry Partnership, and Pillars of the Community, all co-sponsors. And you know what? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> all of these are things that got done, all of these that are laws that got passed, and we're making sure that they're not just words on a record. They're not just words in a book. These are now put into practice. We're making sure that these are laws that have teeth, okay? So if you want to learn more about what is getting done and what we can get done, and if you want to jump in, want to jump into the movement, please Go to the website, safeandjust.org. Again, thanks so much for listening. Disclaimer, my views, beliefs, and opinions are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views of my guests, resource organizations, or sources shared. Last thing, every day we survive is a new chance to seek healing. Peace to your journey, good people. Ashe.
Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.